1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Albstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey Seahawks fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Al-Fitt, sitting down with Keith Myers, co-host Keith Myers. We're here to preview the Seahawks' fourth game of the year at the Detroit Lions on Sunday. It's a 10 o'clock Pacific Coast time start for the Seahawks. Are we expecting different results in this game
1: compared to our previous three games? Keith, welcome in. Um, are we expecting something different? I am not sure why we should.
2: Well, you would hope that a young team, a a team with young players, is uh, on the uprise and improving and has a chance to uh, change things up every week and learn from their mistakes, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a glimmer for me. I don't want to give up all hope, but signs point to this being another difficult game if they don't improve at least one area of their defense, which is stopping the run, because the Detroit Lions are really good at that.
1: Yes, they are. And that's the problem. (laughs) It's just straight up that that's where, um, where things are bad for Seattle because there's i mean part of it is young players what you're saying but part of it is also veteran players and veteran players aren't going to learn and get better they are what they are and if they're not getting the job done i don't know if they're going to ever get the job done
2: yes okay i hear that that's that's very true on a lot of different um fronts however it is a new scheme um And they're integrating younger players and so it's 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 a team effort defense is a team effort as you Mm -hmm. know and i and that shows up the most and and so i do have some hope that um overall they can play better together um now individual performance wise you may be onto something there but i'm i'm still kind of hopeful i'm holding out that this defense will turn it around um I know that we just talked uh, in our last show about this being a little bit of a different defense than we've had in the past. A wholesale change took place in the off season, new coaches, new scheme, new terminology, et cetera. So we can't attribute the, um, the same slow starts that we've had the previous two years to this same defense, uh, but it seems similar. So what's, I, and I asked you this before and you kind of, you said, I don't know as far <laughs> as like, what's the, what's the actual problem. Um, and it just does seem to be communication. It seems to be lack of, um, integrity as far as, uh, assignments are concerned on an individual basis. And so when you add all the individual performances up and they all fall a little short, your entire defense is going to be problematic. And that's kind of what I'm seeing.
1: Yeah, I mean, we have guys that are like vacating gaps and leaving holes for the running back to go through rather than staying in and managing their assignment. Um and so that is that is consistent with previous years. That's one of the things they had to fix the last two seasons. Um, was guys doing that. It's a little weird because it's different guys this year. Um you know, Quentin Jefferson is one of the big culprits and he was not here the last two years. So
2: Yeah, Witherspoon last year had an a real big problem with this situation. We saw Trey Flowers have similar issues on you know, on the back end and on the front end. You know, we just had guys that just didn't want to believe in their in the in the in the scheme and in the players that were next to them doing their jobs they everyone didn't trust the idea that uh each player was going to step up and do their job and so they kind of overcompensated a little bit and sometimes that's all it takes just a little step a little out of step timing wise you're you're kind of screwed up and and pretty soon you've got these holes that materialize that otherwise wouldn't be there so uh here we are we're talking about the lions game four almost a quarter away through the the season in, in previous years it would have been a quarter of the way that we've got that extra game um how are you feeling so far i mean we've kind of we've seen three games you kind of have an idea of what you're going to be what you're seeing now out of your team and um you know there are a little bit of positives but right now it just seems like there's just way more negatives uh, around the team um that they would be able to overcome and and i'm telling you keith if they drop this game to the lions we could be in contention for the number one overall pick in the draft i mean that's to me how sideways this can get real quick
1: yeah i mean you and i both had the um the seahawks winning five games this year and i had them beating atlanta and detroit and going getting to two and two right at this spot. and mm-hmm. still ending up with only five wins. Um, they lost to Atlanta. Now they're, are, they're not going to be, they're not favored to beat Detroit. The lions are favored in this game. Um, yeah. And I think rightfully so given the um, the way that they've played and the way the Seahawks have played. So it's, this is, this has the makings of um, the beginning of a very long season. Yeah, the Lions, let's just
2: talk about those guys, you know, they had their opportunities against the Vikings. They dropped that in in the last minute of that game. Uh Dan Campbell elected to try to kick a 54-year-old uh year old, 54-yard field goal um and missed and the Vikings went on to to score another touchdown and that was the end of that. But they've played well. Um and and have been in all three games that they've played. Um Jared Goff's looked competent this year. Uh, He looked competent in the last four or five games of last year. And so there's questions in Detroit about what to do long term with the quarterback situation, because around Jared Goff, Keith, they've got a really dynamic situation developing in in Detroit. They've got an outstanding offensive line, probably top Mm -hmm. five in the NFL. They've got a really great running game, especially if DeAndre Swift is part of the equation there. He's a little banged up right now. I'm not sure if he's going to go on Sunday. But with him in there, they're putting up 170 uh, yards of rushing per game, third overall in the NFL, behind that offensive line. And then they've got players like Amon uh, Ross-St. Brown and Josh Reynolds and DJ Shark. Um, to, to throw two plus Hawkinson at tight end. Um, they're really able to move the ball on teams right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, you start like, oh, the third best running team. Um, they're the best running team in yards per carry.
2: Now a word from our new sponsor, Raycon. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of the Foo Fighters, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's Everyday Earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable and they will not budge, trust me. Raycon's give you 8 hours of playtime and 32 hours of battery life. Raycon's price just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's Everyday Earbuds have over 50,000 star reviews. When I'm using my Raycons, I have three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, and noise isolation. Whether I'm in the studio or listening to my favorite band, my Raycons are great. Go to buyraycon.com tppn today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com tppn to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com tppn yeah and DeAndre and Swift it, leads the NFL at eight point six yards per carry
1: yep yards per carry they are number one, and there's it's them and then a big jump before that you get to the the Giants who are number two um
2: and the only reason and, why they're probably not number one is they've had to throw to get back into games
1: yeah because they've they've fallen behind in a couple of games um but yeah, this is a team that runs the ball well um they they do the thing they do the little things. Um, Now they don't have a good, they don't have a quarterback either. You're saying that, that, um, that Goff looks competent, but I'm telling you at 6.7 yards per attempt and under 60% completion percentage, you're going to, you and I are going to have a different uh, definition of competent when it comes to quarterback play. Cause I think that is mediocre. Um, The thing that he is doing though, is he's holding onto the, or he's not holding onto the ball too long. He's only been sacked four times in three games and um, he's, you know, main, he's only thrown thrown two picks, so he they're doing he's doing a better job this year of not turning the ball over. Basically, they're asking him to manage the games. So they're not asking him to do a lot, mm-hmm. and it's, it's working. True. They're playing they're they're playing decent defense. They're running the football really well. They're kind of are doing what we expected Seattle to be able to do this year. Run yeah, ball, well, I look- play good defense stay in you know, games yeah when
2: when you looked at the lions last year in that in that game i think we won that game like 50 to 21 or something like that we kind of blew them out a little bit uh in the second to the last game of the season the last game at lumen field the last game that russell wilson played in front of a home crowd um and they're not quite that team anymore they're improved um one of the reasons why they're improved is that offensive line Mm-hmm. um deandre swift obviously amon st uh, uh raw is uh, amon Ra. st brown is having a, a great year uh he's just kind of got a chip on his shoulder they drafted uh Aiden hutchinson um in the first round and he's having an impact i think he had a three sack game earlier uh has, this year's
1: three sacks overall leads their team
2: yeah well and he's and he's a He's an up-and-coming guy. Now, their defense overall isn't quite up to their offensive standard, Um, and and I would argue is probably a bottom third uh, as far as an overall defense in the NFL. That's why I think Seattle has an opportunity in this game at least to have this be a close game. In fact, I would say that Detroit's going to be in a lot of games, but they're going to be one-run games, and I think this might be one of those games where Seattle – just not quite sure if they can keep up with Detroit as far as scoring and then the 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 tip of the scales for me is the, is the defense I think Detroit's got just enough to kind of slow Seattle down here and there and especially if they can do something about the run uh, which I think they they might be able to depending on how committed Seattle is and then on the other side I think that they're going to be able to have some some effect against us um, when they have the ball but what are you seeing uh, as being kind of the keys to the game in this thing, Keith?
1: Well, I think the, the keys to the game in this one is for them to, for the Seahawks to stop the run. You stop the run and make Jared Goff beat you. Cause we've seen that show before, right? We've seen him when he was um, with the Rams. He's not a guy who's going to beat you. He um, panics. Yeah. He has a tendency I mean, to
2: panic if he's pressured.
1: Yeah. Get him, pressure him, but also, Um, make, put it on his shoulders, make him be the guy that that has to go out and beat you because he can't. Um, but that's, that's easier said than done because this Seahawks team can't stop the run. Um, they're the worst in the league at stopping the run. And, um, you know, you're trying to get, uh, pressured through Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell to, um, two young, uh, tackles that are really good. They're very good. Um, it just makes life really hard for, uh, opposing pass rushers. It's kind of, yeah. they they're, they're a couple years ahead of where Seattle is, but they're, you know, two young guys that are bookends for the next decade where Seattle got the same thing, but Seattle's two are, are rookies. And so, you know, well, there's still some growing pains there, but I expect the Seahawks to be in that same position that the lions are in now, like next year and beyond.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, um, Jared Goff's actually got a really ideal situation as far as being in an offense that's, that's well-suited for him. Uh, mm-hmm. That really strong running game, the great offensive line where it's, it, it's, it's creating pockets for him, which he needs. He's great at dumping the ball off. He's a good game manager. He is. He's not great at getting the ball down past, you know, 15 yards past the line of scrimmage. We've known that for years. He's not a guy that you're going to give the ball to at the end of games and expect him to go down and lead a drive to win a game. Um, and, and that's kind of the difference between the Lions being in a conversation of, of being an 8-9-10 uh, win team and, and not. Is Jared Goff and his ceiling? Now, we've seen Jared Goff's ceiling being able to get to the playoffs, being able to get to the NFC Championship game um, and, and Super Bowls, but that's with a stellar defense. Mm-hmm. they do not have a stellar defense. No. They uh, if they did, they may end up winning 9, 10 games with Jared Goff. But I still think that's a ceiling thing for him. And mm-hmm. and I think the Lions will be in, in the running for some sort of quarterback solution in this draft. I just think that they're going to win more games than the Seahawks um, and, and and out of the top 10, I think as far as picks. I see them winning about seven to, to nine games. They're already behind the, the eight ball on that a little bit, but they're mm-hmm. an up and coming team for sure.
1: They are. Um, they're a well coached team. I think they're talent deficient on the defensive side of the ball. They um, they need additional time, additional off seasons to build the, the talent level. Because uh, remember, the, they were essentially an expansion team when Dan Campbell arrived. They they were there. Were there were bad, and there wasn't talent anywhere on the roster.
2: They shipped Matthew Stafford out, didn't get a lot in return, and that that's kind of been the difference. Yeah. So they started over.
1: They they completely started over. I mean, they like I said, they were essentially a expansion team, and um, Dan Campbell's done some good things there. Uh, I, I I like what I've seen from him. He's a good coach, and he is getting a lot out of guys especially on the offensive side of the ball um they've really simplified things for jared goff they're not making things difficult or confusing they're not asking him to um you know read an entire the, in the entire field they're cutting the field in half form a lot of the time and letting him just read half the defense they're just they're making things simple but it's it's such it's like well done i mean and the guys play hard the lions play really hard for their coaches um you don't see guys taking plays off you don't see guys slacking these are even uh, you know last year when they were getting um blown out in a bunch of games they were still you know they were still battling um and you don't see that a lot of time when when teams go you know are really bad especially a team teams like Detroit that have been really bad for a really long time they yeah. they kind of give up halfway through and you know they, like we just look at Jacksonville every year um but this Detroit team didn't. And um yeah, I like I like what their coaching staff is doing. It just they're just a, a, a full season away. Yes. Um of building that defense before they're ready to take that step and and make a playoff run.
2: I agree. I agree. They're they're in a position now of roster building, identifying players that they're gonna continue with uh going forward, and they are one one season, one cycle away. they they need some free agent help infusion. Uh, They need to make a decision at quarterback long-term. Now they may draft a kid. So there's, you know, uh, maybe the kid out of uh, BYU in the second round or something like that would be a good option for them. Go ahead and keep Goff for one more year. I know it's a little painful, but he could win you games if your defense improves. So you're taking steps ahead while you're developing a quarterback behind a veteran uh, to maybe come in. It's hard to throw a rookie, especially uh, you know, a mid-first round pick or a second round pick quarterback, to come in and, and lead your franchise right away. way. But if he can have a year of seasoning and development, um, that might be the way that they they end up solving that issue.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I was noting a couple of different players um, that are interesting to me: Deshaun Elliott and Kirby Joseph at strong safety. I I, I like that pair. I like Kirby Joseph in the draft. Uh, Afidi uh, Melafuanu uh was drafted by them and we thought that he might be a cornerback that seattle would identify with uh, in last year's draft to to come in and um and be a great player they ended up switching him a little bit over to strong safety he plays kind of a strong safety hybrid kind of thing Mm -hmm. for them which is interesting to me because a lot of people said that that might be the way that he would go um once he landed in the nfl and it's interesting to see how they've treated him there And then Jeff uh, uh, Okuda, uh, the former number three overall pick in the 2020 draft, got injured, had an Achilles last year, slowed his development. He's back. He looks like he's going to get the assignment against DK Metcalf, and they've kind of traded a little bit of words back and forth through the media. Um, DK said that while he's a good corner, he's not everything and all that because he's got some nice free safety help behind him. And Okuda came out and said, "Well, I'm not worried about that because you know we still got a we've got a game to play on Sunday. We'll find out. So that'll be an interesting matchup to to watch. Um, what are you expecting as far as matchups are concerned? What are you liking to see from Seattle in certain spots uh, against um, the Detroit Lions, Keith?
1: Well, uh, so offensively." You know, what I'm expecting to see from Seattle is I'm really expecting them to actually get the running game going in this one. I don't think that um, Detroit has the the horses up front that the last, um, you know, there's no, I mean, I don't want to put this. Aiden Hutchinson is great, but he isn't in the very center of the defense the way Grady Jarrett was. And Grady Jarrett was just such a wrecking ball. Um, against Seattle's interior that it made getting the run running game going hard because he was in the backfield um, making the running backs adjust before they could even get the ball. Um, you know, Hutchinson's coming off an edge. So it, and it's just different. It's further, it's, it's further along and, and sometimes you run away from that edge and it, he's not even in the play, but you never really...
2: And he's a very, very aggressive player. So he gets yeah. up field very quickly and Seattle could take advantage of that um, mm-hmm. without having to worry about somebody coming in behind him and filling gaps because, well, you've got um, Aleem McNeil, which I really like the guy and Michael Brockers, who's getting a little older now at defensive tackle in there and behind that and around that and they're running and their linebackers are just kind of not seasoned guys. They've got a rookie weak side guy and, and Malcolm Rodriguez. That's going to play a lot. Um, I think they can take advantage. I agree with you. That'd be the kind of the key for Seattle is to a help their defense stay off the field by extending drives with their running game. You know, getting into third and short um, so that their conversions are 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 doable. Um, I think are the keys to this thing because defensively keith i just don't think that we have the 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 manpower to stop their offense i just don't even with jared goff at quarterback they're going to be able to do enough to score points now the question is can seattle score with them Mm -hmm. and the only way to do that is to slow the game down or or speed it up essentially by keeping the clock going and uh take some time off the ball but move the ball Get a whole bunch of yards, wear down their defense, and see if you can kind of win the game that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, you you need to be able to run the ball. That's that's kind of the weakness of this Detroit defense is um, they don't have the guys up front, and so Seattle's n- needs to be able to run the ball, establish the run, go get to some play action to create some one on one situations on the outside where where you know DK and 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 Lockett can uh maybe get the ball in space or over the top and 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 get some big plays in there. Uh but if you aren't running the ball well against this defense, you're not running the ball well against anybody. Um and we've seen Seattle run the ball well. So I'm I'm not that concerned about that. So that that's really what I'm expecting there. Uh to me it really you were saying like they're gonna score even with Goff. Well they're gonna score but not really because of Goff. They're going to score because they are able to run the ball as, as good or better than anyone else in the NFL. What and if Seattle Swift can't the run?
2: What if Swift is out? And they and they're relying on uh, Jamal Williams. their, their main uh, between the tackles running back.
1: Honestly, you look at his um what is it? Uh average net yards over average compared to um I think he said average in there twice. Um you know, with and without a guy with in terms of the the running game um and jamal williams is got the same number uh as DeAndre he's a good, run. he's a good he's running a back. good runner he's not a, he doesn't have the breakaway speed and True. so maybe you won't get the big play out of him but you are going to get um you are going to get positive yards regularly you're going to get a guy that you know, falls forward and, and turns a four yard gain into a seven yard gain and and it'd be hard to stop. They're gonna be able to move the move the chains um with him in there, even if DeAndre just tw- is isn't playing.
2: 20 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns against the Vikings last week, uh, Jamal Williams. Um, how about any other players? Uh, so so we talked about we in our last show we highlighted Ken Walker as as a player that we're gonna be uh, expecting to have a little more um, effectiveness or, or touches, opportunities in Seattle's offense. What are you expecting between Penny and Walker in this game? Are you expecting over 20 carries? They haven't yet reached that threshold, even combined uh, in, in a game. And um, what are you expecting in this one? And why should it be any different?
1: Um, it should be different because I think they're going to find more success. I mean, they found some success against, um, Denver, but they, they never really leaned on it. They let the defense kind of dictate what they wanted to do and they were selling out to stop the run. Um, and so Seahawks threw the ball a lot. And then against the, uh, Falcons, they also had some success running the ball, but again, there was a lot of the same stuff where they let the defense dictate what they were going to do. I think against Detroit, this is the weakest run defense they've faced. I think they need to um, just go, you know what? Even if you bring that extra guy up in the box, I think we can beat you player versus player. And we're going to run the ball down your throat anyway. And I, I really want to see them do that because I think they can.
2: And now a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Do you think that that presents an issue on 1st and 2nd down with Seattle choosing to run the ball on 1st and 2nd down and having 3rd and long, like 3rd and five, third and 6, being problematic for Geno to convert?
1: Um, if they're ending up in 3rd and 6 after running the ball a couple times, then they're not running the ball effectively.
2: But if they're bringing the extra guy in the box consistently, it could happen. I mean, they it, could effectively stop our our opportunities.
1: Yeah, but at that point, like, you know, go play action and hit DK down down the sideline.
2: Um, <laughs> you're, right? you're saying that Geno Smith can hit DK down the sideline.
1: It's one on one. Throw it up there. Let him go get it.
2: I agree, Keith. We got to do something different, if you right?
1: Can't, if you can't if it's one on one and you got DK Metcalf on the outside and you can't throw it up in a way for him to go get the ball, then you don't deserve to be playing um, quarterback in the NFL. It's true. So it's
2: true. and Gino has thrown the ball up to DK a couple times this year. One was called back.
1: Yeah, they've had a DK had has
2: a, connected mm-hmm. on those opportunities.
1: Yeah, including one where he went up and over a cornerback and catch caught a ball that I thought was going to be intercepted. And then it didn't count.
2: <laughs> right. Stupid
1: holding call. So but, I I
2: agree uh, with you. I'd love to see more opportunities like that. In fact, yeah. maybe that can open up some of the, the running lanes. I mean, just kind of, you know, reverse mm-hmm. osmosis there. Um How about our offensive line against their defensive front? You think uh, their defensive front is just not that great. Um, Is this a real opportunity for our offensive line to kind of really get in sync and just kind of take over a a game for the first time this year?
1: I believe it is. Um, And what comes down to, you know, for me with this is you've got to know where Aiden Hutchinson is and you've got to have a plan for him. But is there anyone else on that in that front seven that really makes you worry?
2: No, Charles Harris is on the other side, opposite of Aiden Hutchinson. Um, McNeil's in there, and Brockers behind those guys. You've got some journeyman guys and guys. I'm you know, I'm not really worried about at all. So behind behind their first line defense is really not nothing mm-hmm. special. And so you I mean, do have an opportunity to exert your will, you know, if you, if you will, um, yeah, I mean, on, on the defense m- dictate. Terms. Michael
1: Brockers was a Doesn't really 40 years old at this player, point? um, earlier in his career with the Rams. I mean, he was a guy that you had to account yeah. for. He yeah. was part of that at one point when they, they were f- four across their entire front four was, was pro bowl, um, guys and they were scary. He was one of those four. And, um, he just, He's lost a step. He's like, you said he's 40. I think he's 34, 35. But for an, um, a defensive lineman, that's pretty old. And he's not quite that guy anymore. I just, I look at this and I, they're, they defense. And I am not afraid of any of their one in the front seven. I think that even though Seattle's interior offensive line has struggled, I think maybe saying struggled is being nice, um, but they've struggled. I, find me a guy here that's going to dominate over him. I just don't see it.
2: I think this is an opportunity for Seattle to continue the success they had against the Atlanta Falcons. And that's kind of the exciting part of this game for me. Um, you know, when we come to prediction time, Seahawks fans may not like what I'm going to say, but as far as take, things to take away out of this game, it would be that consistency from week to week where, where our offensive line has opportunities uh, last year, uh, last game we ran for over 100 yards. I I see that again. If it'd be nice to get up to 130, 140 yards in, in this game. Control the line of scrimmage. Control the clock. Win the time of possession. If we win the turnover battle, that gives us a real opportunity to actually come away with a win, um, and have Geno's find some success. Continue those downfield opportunities when when they're there, and and use the middle of the field. Get our receivers. Um, that are going to create opportunities in open space, the ball. We have yet to really see um, uh, our our wide receiver group really take over a game. Marquise Goodwin, Dwayne Eskridge. Let's get Dwayne Eskridge in there. Let's give him some opportunities to really show how dynamic he can be when he has the ball in his hands. I think there's an opportunity here for, for that, um, just because I think some of the over-the-top stuff might be taken away from Detroit. They've got a pretty decent... Um, back end but underneath the linebacker stuff the use of tight ends in this game i think could be a difference maker um we've already shown that our tight ends are, are really having a, a solid year and i think this is another game where they can have an opportunity to have an effect uh, mm-hmm. on the outcome i just don't have any faith keith to be completely honest in our defense i know that they're going to work hard this week i know there's pride on that defense al woods came out and said, you know, we just need to kick some ass is basically all we need to do. Um, It's really, it's simple. He said, it's simple, we just need to kick some ass. Um, and, And that's really what it comes down to is who wants to do this? Who wants to step up and make plays? They know the scheme. These guys are pros. And so, you know, if they've got the pride and the effort is there, then i'm going to start to believe but if if i'm not seeing any, any of the effort if i'm not seeing the physicality that i think that, that 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 we have the opportunity to have um and they're mailing it in this is gonna be a long season it just mm-hmm. is
1: this really to me is the this is the game that um now granted we said the same thing last week about um atlanta but having lost to atlanta basically it to me it puts it on this game if you can't beat a vulnerable rebuilding lions team then get the tank going get the first overall pick and don't look back um if you can beat this team like okay so you were you maybe are closer to what you we thought you were um and maybe you can you know sh- find some success and all of that but uh if you can't beat this detroit team like seriously put get the tank on um we need a we need a slogan right um back in what was it 2011 it was suck for luck um for or <laughs> luck and now i i don't know what it's going to be but we need we need we need a tanking slogan if they lose this game so um, i'm going to
2: share my screen again um and this was this is our schedule um sorry I don't know if, if people can see this or not. I'm having a hard time blowing this up a little bit. Let me see if I can zoom this a little bit. Doesn't It's not letting me zoom it. Anyway, hopefully you guys can see this. But after the Lions, we are at the Saints. Then the Cardinals visit uh, Lumen Field. Then we're at the Chargers. Then the Giants are at, at the Seahawks. That could potentially be a winnable game. We visit the Cardinals again. We're at the Bucks on the road in Germany. We have a bye week. Raiders, Rams, Panthers—all teams that are doing well this year. Um, we could be looking at like three wins, Keith. I mean, and I'm not mm-hmm. trying to be exaggerating or hyper. Uh, um, um, what am I trying to say? Hyperbole. Hyperbole. I'm not. I, I'm not trying to put the hyperbole out there or anything like that. It's just difficult it's a it's a difficult road if you lose games like this because it doesn't get any easier opponents don't get any easier i mean it, it, and any given sunday as they say um you can win games but it's it's not looking easy
1: yeah the giants have been significantly better than i expected them to be um you know the jets have actually been competent for the first time in my life um and and those were games that i thought the seahawks were going to be able to win easily and now I'm not convinced that they are because the other teams are playing better. And Seattle's defense isn't what we thought it was going to be. We thought this defense was actually going to be surprisingly good, that they, the national yes, media right. was really down on them. But, but the, the local, um, you know, we kind of saw the you know reasons to be optimistic. And, and so we thought that this defense was going to be good. And through three games, they have not.
2: Where were we wrong?
1: We because wrong. you and
2: both really, we, we both were kind of bullish on this defense. We thought there was potential if the offense can kind of sustain drives and keep the defense off the field enough, this defense had the potential of being top ten. I said it out loud. i i I meant it. you going into July, August in mm-hmm. the in a training camp and stuff. I just saw the personnel, the, the moves that we made, the Shelby Harris, um, the Nuasu uh, edition. The 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 rookies, albeit rookies, you know, had opportunities and showed really well in camp. I thought maybe that that was improving enough to to get this team where it was. We had Puna Ford coming back. Um, we we brought back Al Woods, and it's just a situation. And we and Diggs coming back, and he had five interceptions last year. And we thought maybe he could build on that, and so on and so forth. And it just hasn't lived up to the hype.
1: Yeah. I mean, you ask where, where, where did you and I go wrong? We went wrong assuming that Daryl Taylor was going to be great. And instead of great, he's been awful. Um, that that's been, been a big part because he was good last year. He really was a guy that you could depend on to get pressure on the quarterback. He looked explosive. He looked like a game changer. And you're like, all right, get him another year of development. He's going to be better. And instead he just has been awful. Um, and then you've got guys that have been, you know, steady performers uh, like Puna Ford that just have not adapted to the new scheme of it b- being a three-four. Um, Quinton Jefferson they brought back with the idea. We and I thought that was okay. a guy that could get up field. He had forty-five be,
2: pressures last year for the Raiders.
1: Yeah, and he might as well not even be out on the field half the time when he's out there because he's just um, completely, you know, taken out by one guy, and it's just completely ineffective. Um, and, and so there's a lot of there's been a lot of guys that just have. And we not put a we up. put
2: a lot on Brooks and Cody Barton too in the middle there, and no supporting cast there behind them, mm-hmm. and and that has been kind of difficult because those guys, while making tackles, are making tackles, you know, several yards behind the line of scrimmage, which is great, because you know, but it's it's not ideal because yeah,
1: and the the Jamal Adams injury hasn't helped. Um, because Jones, who's come in for him, um, he had a great camp. We were like, right, they're three deep there. Um, but he's been, he's been not good. He's been very, very disappointing, um, since coming in for Adams. And you, they, they thought they had their guy in him. So they went ahead and cut Marquise Blair, but I bet now they're wishing they had him because they could use him. They could use his athleticism.
2: I think that Jamal Adams thing might be bigger than we thought because I think they had a special role carved out for Jamal this year, where you know he was going to be used correctly to his strengths. and um and after that went away, the cX fell back onto a situation that wasn't proven. and um I don't think that that Josh Jones is able to to be that unique skill set player. Uh and it's it's been tough. And they've asked Jones to to cover more, drop back into coverage, just like Jamal did last year. It's kind of fallen back into that. And it, it just hasn't worked as well. Yeah. Um, and then we haven't seen like Ryan Neal as much as maybe uh he he should be out there because I think Ryan Neal has an opportunity too. But we saw some shortcomings last year with Ryan Neal as well, as far as being in coverage and so forth. So I'm just not sure, Keith.
1: Yeah, I mean, might, I'd like it, to see Ryan might, no more.
2: It just might be this year that they just do not have the personnel, no matter what they do, no matter mm-hmm. what adjustments they make to make it easier. They may not have the personnel that they need to yeah. be able to uh, continue to win games this year because they, they, I think offenses are just going to have their way most of the year with, with this defense. and And, well, and, and it's been
1: especially ahead. bad these last two weeks with Shelby Harris out. Because he's there he him and uh Al Woods are have been the only competent defensive linemen um so far through three games. And with him now being him being out for the last game and a half, it was absolutely noticeable. Because now you've got Al Woods in the middle on the downs, he's in there because he only plays about half the snaps. And that's it. There's just nothing else up front. So we're they're not able to keep um you know, guards or the center off our middle linebackers, which is part of the reason why they're making the play, making tackles seven or eight yards downfield instead of up in the hole because the defensive line's not doing its job. And so, yeah. you know, if we can get Puna Ford back to playing the way he has the last like few years, you know, get Shelby Harris healthy, you know, and Al Woods continues to play great. Well, you know what? Our middle linebackers are going to all of a sudden look really good. Because they're going to be clean coming in to make the tackle. And that's, and that's like really,
2: that's so important. Even, yeah. you know, even Bobby Wagner in this defense is, would, would have been struggling, especially with Bobby's drop off in speed and so forth. I don't think that there'd be any improvement noticeable to, to most fans uh, mm-hmm. than Jordan Brooks is, is doing. Um, you know, but Jordan Brooks isn't helping as well because, you know, he's, what's the right word? Undis- he's not as disciplined. Uh, he just hasn't seen as much football as like a Bobby Wagner, but uh, and then Cody Barton, the same thing. It's uh, it's an undisciplined player that's that that just lacks a certain level of skill as well. He's just quite frankly not an NFL starter. Um, he's a good backup to have on a t- on a team, good special teams player, but I'm not sure that he's
1: well. He's going to start
2: I, for any other team in the NFL, Keith. I just don't know.
1: I don't know. You give him a decent front, so he's getting a chance to to. To Fair. come up, come up Fair. into a hole clean and not fighting through blocks in order to try and get there. I think he'd be fine. I mean, is he, you want him to be, you know, the weakest member of your um, of your linebacking core of the, of the guys that are on the field, right? You want your outside linebackers and and Jordan Brooks to be better than him, and if they are, then he's probably good enough. True, um,
2: very true, Keith.
1: And so, because he's not to say that he's like he wouldn't start for other teams, I. I don't know if that's true because there are other teams out there, especially three, four teams that have one really good inside linebacker and one guy that you wonder why he's playing.
2: And a quality um, defensive front, like you said.
1: Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, All
2: right. So there's a lot of that. Okay. So let's, let's stop the chatter. Let's get down to business prediction time. You want Uh-oh. me to go first? I'll go first.
1: You go first this time. So. <laughs> Cause I know what your answer is and, and let's get this out of the way. I think
2: I think Dan Campbell has the Detroit Lions playing to a point where they're going to be in almost every game that they play. Their offense is, is really solid. Uh, their offensive line is top five. Their, their rushing attack is top five. That means Jared Goff has to do just enough to kind of keep everything going. And, and he's, he's good at that. Their defense is less than. Uh, it's not top 15. It's probably top 25. Uh, but it's it's enough to keep them in games. A couple turnovers here and there could swing a lot of things for them. Uh, I see this as a game that Seattle is just going to get run over a little bit. Uh, I see another 400-yard game allowed against this defense. I see the time of possession plus 34, 35 in favor of Detroit, and when we're in that sort of deficit, um, it's really hard to, to keep up. And so I'm saying uh the Lions 27, Seattle
1: 20. Wow. Um, I was on board with you until we were doing this conversation, and I'm looking over stats and I'm thinking about God, how are how how is this defense gonna stop Seattle um from running the ball and all of that? And over the course of recording this show I've kind of changed my mind and I'm going to pick Seattle in this one um and I'm going to because I think that in the same way that you were saying that you know Seattle was going to get kind of run over the running game I think Detroit's going to get kind of run over in the running game I think you're going to see Penny and Walker just go off in this game and ultimately I'd love know, I'd love that one of one of the two uh game managers that will be playing quarterback in this game um we'll have to make a make a play and i don't think either one of them is particularly capable uh, so then it's a, who who doesn't make the big mistake who doesn't throw the bad interception um and honestly from what we've seen the first 3 weeks i i think um you know seattle's in a position with gino that he he doesn't do much but what he he also doesn't turn the ball over and so i think that it in the end it's going to be Jared Goff that makes the big mistake, and that's going to put Seattle in a position to, you know, to win a close game. And I've got it like twenty three twenty. Seattle,
2: nice. Wow, I, that just brings tears to my eyes and a smile to my face, Keith, because you just put your faith into uh, Geno Smith and our offense, and um, I'm here for it. Hey, I, I just don't I know that the defense is going to rise to the occasion.
1: <clears throat> I think our running game um, is good enough. Like it's talented enough to take over a game against a a front seven like Detroit. Now Detroit's running game is also really good and it can take over a game against the front seven like Seattle's. Um, But it comes down to in the end, like who makes the big play, who gets the turnover, who puts the ball on the ground or throws the interception. And I don't trust Jared Goff at all at any point for anything.
2: Yeah, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around the this idea, and I'll say it out loud. But I think Seattle has the worst defense in the NFL, and it's—I don't know, I just don't know how how we win games with this defense. But we we obviously did. We we beat Denver, but it took two punch outs at the goal line to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't see that happening on a consistent basis at all. And I'm—I just gotta say that I think Detroit hangs. A little longer in Seattle. I hope you're right, though, because I would love for Seattle to get its run game going, to put up 200 yards, to have Ken Walker have a breakout rookie game um, over 100 yards and just look spectacular doing it. Love it. I mean, I'm here. I would would love that score. I'd love for the Seahawks to win. I just have my doubts. Anything else? No. We'll we'll come back here uh, after, just so if anybody's still hanging with this show. We're going to come back right after the game on Sunday and uh, put a show out uh, for an immediate game reaction show uh, Sunday afternoon after the 10 a.m. kickoff. So we'll be on here around 1.30 or so and, and get that out right away. Might even do a live show. I don't I do
1: know. Yeah. So those of you that, that watch the show on YouTube instead of um, listening on your favorite podcast app, um, we're probably going to do a live show. So you can get in there and watch us. Um, might, a, might as well put it out. Know. Yeah. Because... It's not like we do a lot of editing into these things. We don't anyway, do any so. editing, <laughs> exactly. So, um, okay. it's gonna be right. fun. Join us, please. Yeah,
2: find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. You Know where the show's at. Hit the subscribe button and share it. So, until next time, go Hawks! Go Hawks! Seahawks playbook podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.